It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. According to today's guest, Gretchen Rubin, by answering one question, how do I better respond to expectations? We can gain self-knowledge that can help us make better decisions, meet deadlines, reduce stress, and engage more effectively with others. Gretchen believes that people fit into four tendencies, that our tendency shapes every aspect of our behavior, and when we unlock this information, we can better understand ourselves and those around us. Gretchen is the author of the New York Times bestsellers, Better Than Before, The Happiness Project, and Happier at Home. She is a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100 and has appeared on the Today Show, The Talk, and Own. Welcome, Gretchen. Thanks for joining us. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Well, Gretchen, you believe that people fit into four tendencies and that our tendency shapes every aspect of our behavior. How did you come to this conclusion? Um, You know, it was a very inconspicuous moment of my life. I was having lunch with a friend, and uh, my sister Alyssa says I'm kind of a happiness bully. (laughs) And I was quizzing my friend about her habits and her happiness. And she said to me something that many people had said something similar. But for some reason, when she said it, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. She said, I know I would be happier if I exercised. And here's the weird thing. When I was in high school, I never missed track practice. I was on the track team. I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why not? It's the same person. It's the same behavior. At one time, she had no trouble showing up. Now she can't do it. How do you explain that? And then I started seeing other patterns. Like some people, when I would talk to them about New Year's resolutions, they would say something like, well, I would keep a resolution when it made sense to me. But I would not wait for January 1st because January 1st is an arbitrary date. Mm-hmm. And they all use that phrase, arbitrary date. And I thought, that's funny because the arbitrariness of January 1st doesn't really bother me. Like, that never really caught me up. But for some reason, and then I was writing at that point a book about habit change, my book Better Than Before. Mm-hmm. And like some people, like, I love the idea of habits. I find them freeing and energizing. I'm very drawn, which is probably why I decided to write a book about them because I love the idea of habits. But some people would say to me, like, why would you ever write a book about such a loathsome subject? Like, mm-hmm. what a downer. Why would you do that? And that, and seeing these patterns out in the world, I was like, something is binding these things together. I can't figure it out, but something explains why certain people are responding the way they are. And it took me so much, it like practically melted my brain. Um, it was so hard. But then I, realized, I, I finally realized that this idea of expectation is really at the heart of these patterns. And I took your test, and I have to mm. tell you, you were a thousand percent right in describing oh. me. And we'll talk about that in a moment, because I want to back up and just talk about what these four tendencies are. Yeah. You label them upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. Can you yeah. give us a brief description of each? 
Yeah. So there is a quiz online. If you go to happiercast.com slash quiz, you can take a quiz. Like 1.3 million people have taken this quiz. It's free. It's quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people, I'll give you a brief description, and most people know what they are just from hearing the description. It's not that hard to figure out what you are. So it all has to depend on how you respond to expectations. And all of us face two kinds of expectations. Outer expectations, which are like a work deadline, a request from a friend, things that come to us from the outside. And then we also have inner expectations, my own desire to keep a New Year's resolution, my own desire to do more practicing guitar. That comes from within. So your tendency is how those outer and inner expectations combine. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. So they meet the work deadline, they keep the nearest resolution without much fuss. Mm-hmm. They want to know what other people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their inner standard, they will do it, no problem. If it fails their inner standard, they will resist. And they typically object to anything arbitrary, inefficient, irrational. They always want to know, why should I? Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And this is my friend on the track team. When she had a team and a coach expecting her to show up, she had no trouble going. But when she was just trying to go on her own, it was a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then finally, rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they choose to do. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically, they don't even like to tell themselves what to do. Like, they wouldn't sign up for a 10 a.m. yoga class because on Saturday, because they're like, I don't know what I'm going to want to do at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Like, why would I say I'm going to show up? And, and even the fact that someone's expecting me to be there annoys me. So those are the four. So when I took your test, I am an obliger, and I know I am. Mm. It's always mm. been important to me what other people think. But now, mm. at this point in my life, I'm working very hard to change that. So mm. can we fit into more than one category? Is there mm. always a dominant one? And can this be changed? Well, it's interesting that you're an obliger because that is the largest tendency. That's the one for both men and women. That's the one the biggest number of people fit into. And so and because you are speaking to so many people, that's great because it's like what you're saying is something going to resonate with a lot of people. My tendency, the upholder tendency, is really small. Uh, Rebel is the smallest and upholder is only slightly bigger. So you're in the biggest tendency. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I really do believe these are hardwired. I think that this is part of your, the genetic roots of your personality. You bring it into the world with you. It's not something that's nurture. It's not birth order. It's not generation. It's, it's just part of who you are. And I think that for most people that stays. Now, and, and, and part of what I really want to do with the four tendencies is that I, I think often people think they need to change or they want to change or they need to fix something about them. And my view is like, you're fine the way you are. You just need to set up a situation in a different way so that you can get where you want to go. So for instance, obliger, and again, they're the biggest tendency, so they matter a lot in the world. Mm-hmm. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, so they struggle to meet inner expectations. And many obligers will say to me, I don't want to be dependent on outer expectations. I want to find inner motivation. I feel weak that I need this outer accountability. I need to find it within myself. And my view is kind of like, well, 
why? Why bother? That sounds like a lot of work. It might never be possible. But there's a quick, easy solution for obligers, which is create outer accountability. If you want to read more, join a book group. If you want to exercise, take a class, work out with a trainer, take your dog for a run who's going to be so disappointed, work out with a friend who will be annoyed if you don't show up, think about your duty to be a role model of some, for someone else, think about your duty to your future self. That works for a lot of obligers. There's a million ways to plug in outer accountability. And once they have outer accountability, obligers find it much easier to follow through. So I'm like, I would just take the quick, easy way and get where you want to go instead of trying to do a lot of like thinking that you need to change because in my observation it's much easier to change circumstances than it is to change ourselves so that's information to help us understand ourselves better how can we use this information to understand those around us to relate with them better well it's it's super helpful because i think one of the things that's just part of human nature so i certainly experience this myself all the time which is that it's very easy to assume that other people see the world the way the way you do or they respond to things the way you do and Understanding how people of different tendencies are very different can help you understand why it's not that they're right and you're wrong or that they're right and you're wrong. It's just that you have a different view. So just to take some really obvious examples, a problem for questioners, adult questioners and child questioners, is that many people get annoyed or drained or overwhelmed by their questions. And like you can be on a work team where everybody's like, man, what's your problem? Like we've been talking about this for 45 minutes. Everybody else is on board. Why do you keep slowing us down with all these questions? They don't, you know, it's like, but to a questioner, it's like, this is valuable. This is important. I'm not going to just go along with this change unless I understand, like, why this makes sense. And that's actually good for everyone. Why should everybody in this workplace do this work if it's not clear why? So it's really a helpful thing. But if I'm a thin-skinned boss, I might feel like, well, you're not a team player. You're questioning my judgment. You're challenging my authority. Or I'm a child, child questioner, and I say to my teacher, I don't understand why I need to memorize the multiplication tables because I can look that up on my phone in like a fraction of the time and get 100% correct answer. So why do I need to memorize it? Well, if I'm a teacher and I say things like because all fourth graders have to memorize it or all 10-year-olds have to memorize it or because I'm the teacher and I say so, mm-hmm. that's not going to be legitimate to a questioner. A questioner needs justification. And it's been very poignant to me to hear from questioners where literally if someone had taken 10 minutes and said, This is why we're requiring this of you. This is why we want you to write this book report. This is why we want you to do these drills in soccer. If they would get that, they'd be like, fine, no problem. I'm with your program. But when they're not given those answers, they won't. And so if you understand that someone's a questioner, you can help them get the answers that they need um, without taking it personally and, and seeing that once they have those answers, they will. It's not that they're just being obstructionist. It's that they need answers. Or say, like, I'm in a polder, and one of the things about a polder is they don't need a lot of supervision. They don't need a lot of accountability. They're pretty inner-driven. There's a lot of good things to that, but there's downsides, too. All of the tendencies have upsides and downsides. But one of the things that I realized is that often I was impatient or not understanding why people needed their questions answered or why they needed specific accountability or where they needed a lot of choice and freedom. Because my view is, like, this is what needs to get done. Everybody just get with the program and get it done. Because that's what I do. My husband asked me to do something like, oh, hey, honey, can you go get the mortgage papers? I'm like, okay, fine. I don't need to know why. I don't really care, and I don't even really want to be slowed down. But if I have my husband to get the mortgage papers, he's going to be like, why do you need them? Mm -hmm. That might have annoyed me. Or, you know, or or an obliger. If I said, like, hey, 
when you have a few minutes, will you do this for me? Well, to an obliger, that might be like, is that even a real request? Like, what is that? That's just like too unbounded. It's just floating out in the world. Or to a rebel, you know, because I love to-do lists and checklists and schedules. I, upholders tend to really like that kind of thing. But rebels don't. They like to be spontaneous and do things in their own way when they want to. So if I were working with a rebel or I had a rebel child or a rebel spouse, I might say like, we need to commit. Let's plan ahead. Let's figure out what we're going to get done. And I might be really frustrated with a rebel who's like, I don't want to commit. I wanted, like, why can't we just figure out what seems right at the time? Like, to me, that's like, that's crazy talk. Mm-hmm. But to a rebel, that's how they like to work. And it's not that one person's right and one person's wrong. It's just that you have to understand, okay, well, given who I am and what you, who you are, how do we work it out so that we both have what we need to, to survive and thrive? Can we use this information as a metric to create perhaps a better romantic relationship mm. or our yeah. business partner? Absolutely. Well, that's a very interesting question. And the most striking pattern um, is one that involves obligers, your tendency. Mm-hmm. So when you have a rebel who's paired up, whether that's in a romantic relationship or like in a partnership, like there's two founders who started a business or there's two partners like at an agency or something like that. If one of them is a rebel, almost always the other one is an obliger. That is by far the most dominant pattern and the most and the easiest patterns. Okay. If you have a rebel, the, the, the other partner is an obliger. Now, I'm not saying that, that you never see um, exceptions to that because you do, mm-hmm. but, um, but that is the most consistent pattern that you see. The, the pattern that tends to be the most difficult is an upholder and a rebel. Now, again, I, I know people who are business partners and romantic partners where it's an upholder and a rebel, but they really have very different approaches to the world. They, they just value different things. They, they want to set up their time in different ways. And so that tends to be something where it's very hard to make it work. Not that it's impossible, but it's tough because they just, they're very, you know, upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations and rebels re- resist outer and inner expectations. So there's not that much overlap in their approach. The book is The Four Tendencies, The Indispensable Personality Profiles That Reveal How to Make Your Life Better and Other People's Lives Better Too. If you'd like to get more information about Gretchen and her work, you can visit her website, GretchenRubin.com. Gretchen, in our final moments, what's a takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? You know, I really think that when you think about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, more creative, I think the, the, the answer is to know yourself. It's not to think that there's a magic one-size-fits-all solution, that if something works for someone else, it should work for you, or if something works for you, it should work for someone else. It's really about thinking about yourself. When have I succeeded in the past? What appeals to me? What are the conditions that allow me to thrive? I think when we really think about what's true for ourselves, and try, instead of trying to fit ourselves into some kind of model, that's when we can figure out the way to get the life we want. Gretchen, thank you so much for joining us and for providing information that can help us improve every area of our life. Understanding these tendencies can certainly be a game changer for us, so thank you for being here. Thank you. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.